Well, well, welcome everybody. Hey, this is Tyler. Look, we're going to be entering into some sensitive discussions today. So I wanted to come on and uh, let any parents of little ones or younger ears know that uh, that's what we'll be doing. If you were at services this past weekend, you know, we rated last weekend's services as a PG weekend. So I'd like to do the same thing for this podcast. So if that applies to you and you you need to press pause before we get started, uh, feel free to do that now. Um, But I think it's going to be a really fascinating discussion about some really important topics. So thanks for listening and uh, let's get the show started. Between Sundays, I'm Tyler, and you, dear listener, are a masterpiece. We are changing things up a little today and breaking the silence. Amy and Dave are here to help us hear what God has to say about power, abuse, and the Me Too movement. Can't wait for this discussion, but before we get started, welcome in my favorite co-hosts who are seeking their very own destinies as we speak, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Good day. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Great. Great weekend. And unlike most podcasts, I actually like had a bunch of stuff go on. It was great. Uh, yeah, it, you had, <laughs> had an awesome Got week. some stories. Your weekend was very different than ours. Yeah. And yeah. let's let's welcome in Dave. Welcome. Well, well hello. And Thank Amy. You. Hello. How are you guys? Good. Tired. Good. <laughs> Good. Worn out. Good. They both look very tired. All right, Barry, give it to oh, us. You got no. some stories. What do you got? Well, let's... I don't want to put these in, in order of importance, but uh, it was a busy weekend. Liv had her birthday, and we celebrated our first year of marriage anniversary. Mm. And Yay! Thank you very much for that. And uh, to, to celebrate both of those things, we went up to Chicago and spent time with my sister and, and her husband. And then we went, Liv and I went and saw Hamilton. Whoa! Which was you awesome. hear that? Oh, gosh. Again, that was fun. <laughs> Guys, so saw- it haunts me still. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I told you I'm going in I know, in July, you're going in like 15 minutes. You have not seen it <laughs> I know. It's worth it. 100%. All four of you. <laughs> so good. Sitting around me right now will have or are going to see it in the next few months. And I missed your chance. Had a baby. Well, what's stopping He's you though? pretty special. Like you made it to Florida and back. Like you, I know. You've done other things. You could go see Hamilton. He went to Florida. I'll with watch you. the baby. You'll do it. Yes. All right. He's getting older Gladly. now. Yeah, Penny so would yeah he's older. The, Penny would watch the baby too. Okay. I will not watch the baby, but I still mm. think you should. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Liv and I would watch. Not Milo because I don't anytime. love the baby. Well, we've never left him like overnight. I don't well, know if we're ready for that. That would be. Cool. Isn't that like a hurdle? Isn't that like a milestone? Be a hurdle. Leave yeah. him for three nights and then let us like pass him around. Like he'll start oh. at Barry's house, then I'll go to my house, then I'll go to Dave's house. We'll just keep feeding him sugar. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be awesome. And then give him back to you. And I'm just kidding. I would watch Milo. I was just saying that. To yeah, me. I'll take a pass. I don't want people to be. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, Milo, wouldn't, Lauren likes me. Milo is crawling now, right? Oh yeah, he's crawling. And you know, like what lies under my couch so oh my gosh maybe we don't want guys we're gonna get to this in a second barry i want to hear your opinions on hamilton okay amazing it's incredible life-changing phenomenal amazing what else do you want me to say? It was, it was uh, really good. All right. Uh, so what what surprised you? You you probably have already heard the soundtrack a million times by now. Yeah, I never What were you most looking forward to and what surprised you? Uh I was I was surprised. I, I don't think I had 
quite understood how all the songs fit into the sort of overall plot or even mm-hmm. like who was singing what mm-hmm. necessarily. It will su- mm-hmm. So it will surprise you. Yeah. Yeah. But so seeing it was amazing. And, um, also Lin-Manuel Miranda is great. Um, but as far as singing goes, the guy who, who was Hamilton in this version was st- so much stupendous. Better. Really? I'm trying to like combine stupendous and spectacular. Yeah. Spectacular. Spectacular. Do you remember the name of the actor? I do not. It, I don't know if it was the same guy that I saw then because my daughter and I walked away from Hamilton going, it was good, but well, Hamilton was a little off. Really? Yeah. Oh, Are you kidding me? <laughs> I but told you Aaron, I'd sneak that in. Aaron Burr was like phenomenal, like yeah. better than. Oh, he was the Broadway. star of the show. Yeah. Did you see? I mean, did he have a big beard, bald head guy? Tall, bald. Oh, yes. My word. Guys, yes. that sounds well, great. I hope he's still there in July. <laughs> yeah. That sounds real so great too. for you guys. Like He'll him. be gone. And the, you know what? One of the best, one of the best people was the guy who played, uh, Thomas Jefferson slash oh, Lafayette. Lafayette. Oh, yeah. My except favorite, wait, except wait, ours character. was the understudy. And he was one of the best on the whole Whoa. cast. It was really cool. Was the, there was a boy from Belmont where my daughter goes to school that was playing one of the roles in the Chicago production. He just sent in a video and he got mm. he got the part. Wow. So wow. I'm hoping he's still in it. And I feel like he was Jefferson Lafayette, but he wouldn't have been the understudy. So I don't know if maybe you guys. No saw. idea. No idea. I didn't know and who sometimes these people the were. Understudies like the, are, king good. the king was amazing. The king is the king that song steals is, the show. Seriously. Come he on. comes out. Steals he's so the show. good. If you could see Tyler's face right now. He's shaking his head. I'm going to go take a break, guys. You guys just I'm talk amongst go, yourselves. I'm starting a GoFundMe page. So we can send <laughs> Tyler. Please. I want to go Um, so yeah, that was all great. Anniversary was awesome. Like great Happy celebration. Anniversary. Yeah. I say Happy the, anniversary. Probably the most important thing from this past week was Olivia's birthday. Was that we now have Humphrey's own Instagram. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It's very important. This a, is big news. It's yeah. a big deal. So first of all, if you're tired of seeing rabbit things on my social media, <laughs> you can just block him. You well, yeah, I won't be posting as much, but <laughs> it is so much fun. And, and if now, you just want to follow Humphrey and not Barry, and it's all, now you yeah. have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the option to do that. <laughs> well, so who's Humphrey, in charge? Humphrey requested to follow me. Well. That was amazing. Yeah. Because he's his own person. and Apparently he has, Humphrey will never ask to follow me. You don't have, do you have Instagram? No, he won't follow me though. What do you mean? <laughs> what? He what? Doesn't, he doesn't like me. You don't oh. know if your dad has Instagram or not? I think he does. No, don't you you do. Tweet? You do, because I see you post it sometimes. <laughs> you just posted a picture of you and your wife. You're right. That, <laughs> I remember that. Remember that? Oh, how, no. can you, how can you keep track? Oh, so my goodness. Anniversary to my son and daughter-in-law. <laughs> oh, my God. It was remember, so remember meaningful. Remember very sensitive thing he did for you on Instagram? It was, it was so memorable. Very point, memorable and meaningful. the point is that every time I'm over there to see Humphrey, he attacks me. Yeah, what in the world? He literally, does? Literally. Literally <laughs> attacks me. I, I don't stuck, know what I stuck my hand down. He my hand went out, and he comes up and he boxes my hand with his little paws. I don't know why. <laughs> like nobody uh, else. Could you get that on video and put it on Instagram? We might that need would be to. Hilarious. We might need to. I don't know what the deal is. Huh. Just you, Dad. Yeah. That is pretty crazy. The other thing is, since it was your first anniversary all weekend, all I could think of was hundreds and hundreds of servings of pasta made with a sous vide stick. <laughs> you might need to explain why. <laughs> nope. No, no, not and necessary. How about no, you, Mary? How are you doing? Yeah. yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> I catered their, I catered their oh, yeah. reception. Ah, uh, yes. But we, we, they, we catered it in a barn that the only tool I had was a sink in a kitchen. <laughs> and one outlet. <laughs> and one, with one outlet. That's literally what I had. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I put a cooler, a whole bunch of, whole bunch of pasta. <laughs> 
in water and heated up with a sous vide stick and prayed to God that no one got <laughs> botulism. <laughs> oh my gosh. And die. No one wow. died at the wedding reception. No, that people raved about the food. Yeah, it, was it was good. It was good. Okay. What's so. a, what's a something stick? Sous vide stick. Oh. It's well, just, I, it's like an elect, it's a, a device that you stick down into a pot of water, heats it at a regulated oh. temperature and you can make amazing food. Huh. Wow. Have you never seen it? No. Oh, and what I know it. of sous vide, it's cooking food in water, like yeah. very mm-hmm. gently, but like, isn't the food in a plastic bag yeah, or something? Yeah, a plastic bag. I knew nothing and of you, sous vide. And you drop, oh, ask Kim It's, it's all the rage. It is. Oh, it wow. Actually makes I'm not in the culinary stuff. rage area, apparently. Oh, I am. Culinary rage. <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> I need to. Killing me softly with his steak. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all. It's uh. That's a big weekend. Humphrey underscore the underscore bun. And who's in charge? You or Olivia? We are both. Oh, sharing it. We are sharing it. And as you and Emily found out, you're not very good at guessing which no. one of us is writing which yeah, of the it's tough to It's tough to know, which is good. It's good. It's because our marriage is so strong. You are one. Yeah. That we are one. You can you finish each other's sentences. Yeah. 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 Marin, you're moved. Yes. You're in the new place. <laughs> and thank Congrats. you for all that you did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we Tyler had a moving, first on the scene. moving party on Friday. And, uh, Man. We and you were, missed all the fun. Like you, you did all the hard work and then you didn't get any pizza, like no hangout time. Story you of my life. Fun. Story, story of your life. Story Tell us about it. Let's uh, let's no get out the little violin. No Hamilton. Yeah. So, all right. Let's talk about the move real quick because there's two stories I want to share. Would you though? But I wasn't there for the second one. You've shared it on Facebook that oh. we just got done talking about. But the first one, um, I need I need a little explanation. Yeah. All right. So your kids get home from school. I'm over there helping Jed and everybody move, but your kids get home from school. Desi, first of all, just goes straight to homework. It's a Friday. Yeah. She's going straight to homework. Wow. That's like, impressive. Okay, Always. Yeah. What's happening here? Uh, Jaden, first thing he does is grab a shop vac and start vacuuming the wall. Because he was told to. <laughs> he was told to vacuum the wall <laughs> because the uh, air return vent had dust on it. Oh. More than just dust. Yeah. There was like a living creature cloaking that air vent. And so Jed and I go over to lift the couch, <laughs> to move the couch. And we lift it up and there's a bowl under the couch. And Jaden says, why is there a bowl under the couch? And so we move the bowl and underneath the bowl is one giant meatball. <laughs> <laughs> Got me there. Can you explain? I to, can't explain. What do Let mean, me tell you. Between Sunday's Nation, why <laughs> there was a meatball. This is under my couch. Isn't this what Swedish meatballs, isn't this how they're made? <laughs> you, have to, you have to let them rest for <laughs> a couple carpet. of months. <laughs> in, a, in a cold, dark space. Yeah, it's got to be a cool, I don't even dry know And your kids English tried like blaming that on the dog. Yeah, that's that's a common practice in our home. Just tell them it was Maggie. Blame it on the dog. No, I've been going to see my mom a lot. I've been working late, just busy, 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 busy. So I have not been home to cook a proper meal. Although last week, the two days leading up to the move, I made a chicken soup from scratch. I made some other dinner from scratch. Like, and wow. I've said this to you before, Tyler, that when I'm stressed out, I cook. Yeah. Because like cooking is coping. That's my life mantra. Cooking is coping. So mm-hmm. when things are outside my control, the one thing I can't control <laughs> is cooking. But in my absence, my husband has made more than 
his fair share of crescent dogs. That's a Jed specialty. Mm. Um, and apparently we've made a return to spaghetti and meatballs because I can't remember the last time I cooked spaghetti and meatballs. This was the biggest meatball I've seen outside of a restaurant. <laughs> this was a big, big meatball. Yes. Well. Under your couch for who knows how long. Yeah. Again, I think it's all just kind of indicative of yeah. mom's absence. Little did you know you were moving to Flavortown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was that was great. Are but people I, gonna know that was a soundbite? Because they it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. That that's amazing. that's the whole point. So so the meatball was at the the house you were moving from. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I was very concerned about yes. a meatball being at the house you were moving to. Oh they then I to felt check for those in the I inspection. I was like, someone else left the meatball. Yeah. And that's very concerning. No. So I'm glad no. to know it was your meatball that was. And the news, the second story is in your new house, you have prominently displayed a yes. plate that is embarrassing to your family. Of Can you explain I, what is happening here? I am here? so proud. No, this is, this is a plate that has been in our collection of trinkets for maybe the last 10 years. I found it at a thrift store. It's super vintage. It's from the fifties and it's cute. It's a cute plate. Mm. So I proudly displayed it <laughs> in, not in my brand new kitchen that I'm just just getting started decorating my kitchen. And yeah, you could see the video on, I think I posted it to Facebook, but my husband is vehemently Yeah, there's, anti, there's a video of you just like scrolling the kitchen and stopping <laughs> on the plate and panning over and Jed's got his head in his hands <laughs> talking about how embarrassed he is. Yes, it embarrassed like, by the plate. So at first, when I first saw it, it looked like a pilgrim. Yeah. Is it a pilgrim? I don't even know. I know it's a woman. And I know that typically there's a set. There's like a man and a woman. So there's oh, supposed see. to be two plates together. Mm. But I was lucky enough to just find the one. Mm. Um, but Jed oh. says that he doesn't want guests to drive home from our house and say, oh, my gosh, did you see that plate? Yeah. Which I don't think any guest honest, ever would. If there were both plates, I would change my opinion. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can easily find another one. My sister already posted on that thread that there's one for sale on eBay. <laughs> like, they're a thing. They're a yeah. thing. They're wow. not a very well-known thing, but yeah. they are now. They're so my thing. Does Jed feel like it would be better if you explained away the plate every time you had guests <laughs> over? <laughs> so that he just wants to get rid of it. And my he dear, be in that my dear mother-in-law who listens to the pod faithfully is coming this weekend, and she suggested we play frisbee with the plate. Uh-oh. So Ooh. I might have to hide it See? okay here's another suggestion hide the plate in the move <laughs> and you need to give it to him to jed as like a birthday present every like two or three years that's a great idea <laughs> but then i wouldn't wow. get to look at it every day well you every can day every two or three years is plenty <laughs> that hey. plate gives you strength just put it under the couch it'll never be seen again until oh. you move with the meatball so <laughs> <laughs> <Until> you yeah <laughs> Oh my word! Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, let's turn well, the corner. Can I just say what? One thing oh, you really want to talk about what's new with you? No, just <laughs> I just wanted to bring up the royal wedding. Oh, you want, yeah. So you do want to talk about? <laughs> Come on, did anyone watch it? I didn't watch it. I passed. Absolutely. Dave, you watched it. It was beautiful. It was extraordinary. I didn't watch it. What happened? It was just an amazing meshing of two completely different worlds, and Absolutely. it was a very beautiful. And it was the gospel social justice message that was brought by the pastor out of Chicago and the gospel choir. And I just thought it was like really beautiful. It was stunning. Uh, all right. Can somebody help me understand why I need to care about the Royal wedding? This you, will take us a long time. Okay. Well, you never mind. Need, you don't need to. Okay. 
you never will. You're I mean, not that kind of person. It, no, I, it's, there's nothing to care. What about. is that supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> I just was trying to get it. If, you, dig if in. you ever see Hamilton, it'll make sense. To oh, you. Yeah. oh yes, guys, that's right. all right. That's right. Well, my question is because Harry's never going to be king. No, no. So if he's I'm never going to be king, and the king doesn't even really matter in a country, why, why, why does everybody care? Is it just the pageantry of it all? I think so. And this mm, time it was an, it was an American woman, very independent American woman who walked down the aisle her. by herself. Oh, she which, did? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, there was no question that her handprint was all over that wedding. She was in charge and it She's was an really- She's right? Yes. She, yes. Yeah. She was- Strong woman. Yeah. It She's was amazing. just a very, and her, her single mother was there by herself, like just, she was this force too in the room. Like it was just a really beautiful, and she's a princess. Yeah. I was just going to say. She became a princess. I, I mean, mean it, even though it's like. Yeah. All right. I take it all a, back. It's a name. I mean, like it, they don't do anything really, the royal family, but. That's isn't what I mean. Now, isn't yeah. she now like the, uh, the duchess of. of the duchess of. of oh, I was going to make something up. Oh, well, hi. Higginbotham. <laughs> off with their heads <laughs> wow that's wow <laughs> i got one for everything you oh do you goodness. do <clears throat> all right speaking of strong women we had a conversation this weekend about women and um not just re- as it relates to the church but the me too movement how god sees that um amy and dave you both um spoke in what was really a fascinating and i think important uh, message. So, but I, I couldn't catch the big idea. Like usually there's like a very clear big idea. And it seems like there was r- some really practical takeaways this, this week, but can one of you kind of shine a light on what the one thing you wanted people to take away from the sermon? Well, you, you stated. Yeah. Big my idea. big idea was, and I think that's how we had planned it. I don't, I don't know. It's been a while since we, <laughs> it feels like it's been 10 years since we talked about the message and he and I were like writing on our own and then meeting together for like 10 minutes and saying, is this gonna, and I found it actually pretty unbelievable the way the Holy spirit worked through the whole thing in the way that we were trying to piece it together. Absolutely. And, um, but the big idea for me was that the abuse of women is the abuse of power and it's been that way since the fall of humankind and mm-hmm. God never, ever intended for it to be this way. And so I think we're trying as a church and then to move that into our culture, correct that, change yeah. the direction mm-hmm. and and trying to move us back to what God intended mm-hmm. for it to be in the first place. Yeah. And that was the big idea. Mm-hmm. And so the, it was a whole sermon where I did the, as a typical sermon, the introduction like, why is this important? And then she brought the exposition, which was with introducing the big idea. And then I just did application. Um, I, at the underscore, and it wasn't the big idea, but the underscore was it, um, that we both talked about was the conversation I had with one of the women that I talked to who had experienced a significant abuse, described herself in the middle of it of having no voice and no name. Mm-hmm. And um, so if the big idea was that abuse really is a comes from an abuse of power, the impact on a human being is that when they're abused by powers, they have no voice and no name. Mm-hmm. And that was never intended by God because everyone's made in the image of God. So what has the, uh, what has the feedback been like since this weekend? Oh, completely overwhelming. As far as I, yeah. I'm concerned, I, I spent, 
Um, yesterday, I didn't have the emotional capacity to respond to all the emails that I'd gotten. But today, I spent probably an hour this morning mm-hmm. trying to craft responses to... Same with me. Um, particularly women, but but both men and women that had emailed, texted, Facebook messaged, um, several sharing their deep, unbelievable stories. Hmm. And one in particular that I got last night late about a young girl and what she has been through since she was 13 years old that was... I cried as I read it. It was... Hmm. Me too. There's, that this child has gone through what she has gone through at her young age is unfathomable. It, it was, and trying now, yeah, just. Yeah. And the thing about the thing about that, we both got that, the email that was maddening was that it was the perfect illustration of what we were trying to say in that was there sexual abuse? Yes. But what compounded this, the situation was the abuse of power. First of all, the young man, and then secondly, the institution of which they were a part of that uh, did not listen to her and it just compound, compound Did not listen and blamed her. Blamed her, yeah. Blamed that, her. That, and now she's in turn had some other things happen where she's continuing as a 17-year-old girl to blame herself for acts that were put upon her and and that that and then another woman speaking of her childhood and, and when i was going through the phrases of i did this i i shouldn't have worn this i shouldn't have said this right. i'm the and she said i wanted to stand up and scream and throw something at you because that is what i had heard over and over and over as a child growing up yeah. as a victim of sexual abuse that it was my fault and there's just a lot of damage to mm. undo for yeah. for a lot of women and young girls out there and that's just heartbreaking. We opened the floodgates. That was so powerful when you went through that that list of well, maybe I was wearing the wrong thing, and maybe I and it was like you were. It was like you were like opening our minds, my yeah. mind. Yeah, like and you, like those are thoughts that I've told I, myself. And yes, and the way that you the way that you went through the David and Bathsheba story. Um, I mean, I, you did such a good job of setting us up to the point where you you came around and said, and yet people take take us the story and say, well, why was she bathing on the roof? And yeah. what was she doing? Why did she say yes to come to the castle? Like you did such a good job of that to, to the point where it's like, ah, oh, why, why do we do that? Yeah. And yeah. you know, you just think it's so ridiculous that we would, that we would somehow put this on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, this story has been taught in such a way that I just uh, was talking to my, she'll be 13 on Sunday, my daughter. And uh, she's, she said, I really liked that, that message. And I'm like, oh, really? Because she she was sitting in the front row Saturday night, and she didn't say much to me about it until uh, she's in the other room right now. But we were on our way here, and she knew I was gonna talk, you know, about it, you know, on the podcast and everything. But she said, I I really like that message. It made me see Bathsheba in a different way. Mm, totally. She's like she, my my 13 year old said, I always saw her as I don't know, like as is like hoe a bad word. Like she had heard that story probably from kindergarten on upwards in her, you know, she went to a private school, Christian school and her takeaway was, Oh, that Bathsheba shouldn't have been bathing on that roof. And so your sermon put Bathsheba in the proper light. Me too. And changed it. Me too. I'm 35 years old. And until Amy, you 
talked about it, I was like, oh, Bathsheba, she's one of the vixens mm. of the Bible. Right. She cheated on her husband. Right. And you you framed it completely yeah. differently. And that just goes to show my biases, right? Yeah. Well, and that- mine as well. I'm a woman and I had biases about that story. So it was it was like a little bit earth shattering for me as I dug in and did it and realized her name is only mentioned once in the whole pa- like she is she's just um, demeaned and has no name and no voice and mm-hmm. no and I I think what I love too just you talking about talking to Des and me talking to my own daughters and getting a text from a small group leader at our Fisher's campus who leads a group of eighth grade girls that are moving into their freshman year and the conversation that it opened up mm-hmm. and man, if these young women mm-hmm. can see themselves yeah. differently because of what we did this weekend and, and regain or take their power, that is like, that to me, just like the, that, that side of the stories that we were hearing, those that that like made me hopeful hmm. in the midst of all of the really difficult stories that we've heard coming out of the weekend of past abuse. Yeah. And <clears throat> if we're empowering girls to not put up with that anymore and empowering men to not do it anymore, we can turn the tide. Like I really believe we can be a force as the church and this church in particular to um, undo some of the things that have been done and, and forge a new path. Hmm. So that's exciting. That part of it's super exciting to me. We are a church who has come out and said that we believe women should be empowered in, in every role uh, within the church. And I think it's important that we we specifically would, would talk about this issue. Can you talk about why now is the right time? Because we've been talking about this issue with like internally for a while. Like, should we, shouldn't we? What is our role in this? And Dave, you kind of talked about why a little bit this weekend of why, why now, but can you just rephrase a little bit of why this topic right now is, is the, is what we chose to talk about? Well, the, uh, the, the main reason is that culture, uh, essentially if we're going to pay attention to culture and I think we should, and we need to pay attention to what's happening around us, the culture is basically saying, when are you going to say something about this? Hmm. And, and how do you feel about this? And you talk, and, and this is me, my internal, internal conversation is, okay, we're about the broken places of the world. Yeah. Well, holy cow. I mean, this is, I mean, what part would this be? Injustice? Yes. Pain? Yes. Separation from God? Yes. I mean, these are all, these are all aspects of broken places of the world. So to me, and there were other reasons, I really don't want to go into the other reasons, yeah. you know, on, on the podcast. Um, and, and I, I will say, and the, and personal for me personally, engaging with my wife and, um, it, it was interesting. Let me reflect. You remember when we had a conversation when she, after our sabbatical, yes. mm-hmm. um, just a little backstory is we did that interview and she, on there, she talked about her abuse Yep. and then we cut it because she had second thoughts about, do you remember that? Yep. And then, oh, yeah. then oh, she yeah. said, no, go ahead, put it back in. But we had lost the file. Right. It was interesting because she, back then it was fresh on her mind and she still wanted. So it was perfectly, she kind of encouraged me to wow. mention it. That was, wow. that was definitely a foreshadowing. Yeah. That, oh, that yeah. podcast. That yeah. podcast when we were in here. Yeah. In January. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was in January we were talking. So, so there was personal and cultural. That's why. I mean, yeah. And I've just felt ever since the, the Harvey Weinstein news broke last fall and then it just like tumbled out. Like mm-hmm. it was just like 
all these women were coming forward and all these men accusations in every field. And you brought that up. I mean, everywhere you were. And I would just was like, Hey, God's shoving this into the spotlight for some reason. Like he, he's, this is not, it's not new. It's been, clearly we saw this weekend. It's been happening forever and ever since the fall, but there's a new light on it. And, and I'm like, he's brought it out of the darkness. He shoved it out and he's saying, I'm done waiting around you are my people. Do something about this. Quit pretending it's not happening all around you and do something about it. And we're starting. And I think to, for me, that is why it's important that we are the ones talking about this is because even even with the Harvey Weinsteins of the world or whoever, like you're like, yeah, that's out there. That's Hollywood or that's that's famous people or that's really powerful people that are not in my lives that are getting taken right. down or, <clears throat> or the, uh, Bill Cosby's, you know, like, right. but it's clearly the feedback that you guys have gotten in your own stories is like, no, it's right here. It is right here. And that is why I think it's important that we be a place where this is talked about mm-hmm. because it is, it is all around us. It, it, it happened. Like we have no idea the scale of which this is happening right in our own buildings. Yeah, well, there, and there, one, I'm sorry, go ahead, Bear. I was just going to say, one of the things that you said, Dad, and I, I believe it was you, you kind of painted the picture that this is a this is a spectrum that includes right. not just sexual assault, but it also includes anything that, uh, in, in an abusive power that demeans women or, or demeans another person, such as blonde jokes or... Yeah. Uh, that was you, right? Or was it you, Amy? No, no it was I him. About he that, said yeah. bossy words we say towards women like bossy, shrill, gossipy, uh, catty, nags, ditzy, yeah. or blonde. blonde. Right. And but, it's interesting, Bear, I wanted to tell you that a, a mom stopped me. I know her daughter came and talked to you, yeah. Amy, and her mom just was... The fact that I used the word blonde mm. and I told her, I said, well, you need, you need, you need to know. I'm glad I said that, but really, Barry's the one who re, you were the, you one, were the that, one that brought that up that in, brought our that up in our conversation said, dad, we need to, we need to talk about this. Well, whatever, regardless of who is to whatever, I think the value of that is huge because it, it, when, I mean, when you say it's all around us, that is all around us. Yeah. Like right. That that's so seeped into our culture that we're usually not even aware that it's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the whole I idea think- of non-sexist sextus. It's so it, we're so we're so inundated. Our culture has ingrained this idea in us so deeply that you have to work really hard to see when you're doing it. Like it's not just easy. It's not just yeah. it's not just assault. It's yeah. it is this whole spectrum of things. Yeah. And that's what the Beth Moore quote that her mm-hmm. letter to, you know, she's not been sexually assaulted, but she can certainly speak to the idea of being belittled and demeaned mm-hmm. and pushed aside because you're a woman. And that's that's the attitude that shapes a culture that then moves to assault right. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and yeah. rape and all sorts of and abuse that is. Yeah, I yeah. want to point out the statistics that that were included. 44% of women in America have experienced some sort of sexual trauma. That's 53 million American women. That's one out of every five American women. No, one that's out been of, raped. Right, right, that's been raped. That's been raped. One out of every five that's been raped. So I, I think there's a tendency to look at the Harvey Weinstein thing and once one person comes out with the Me Too and then the rest follow, oh yeah, me too, oh yeah, me too. And it's kind of easy to be like, oh, well, you're just jumping on the bandwagon. Right. But when you look at these numbers 
And let's, I'll just make it even more personal. I wrote down the names of three people who have been inappropriate with me in a physical way. Three, just in my personal life. Six in the life of my mother. Mm. That's just, that's just the two of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if that, if that, if that statistic can be sobering enough to stop dismissing this issue as, oh, it's just the latest trend. Right. Well, oh, look it's at just it, a bandwagon. And let me add to that. So 40, uh, what did I say? How many, what percentage of women? 44%. Okay, 44%. Those are those who are attributed, they've attributed their abuse to someone or some, to someone. Then there are those who have been abused and never said anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there are those who are so traumatized, they were abused, they've never mm -hmm. said anything because they've never thought about it. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're talking 44, 50, 60. Uh, what percentage really is it? Staggering. It's a staggering, it's a staggering uh, and I, and I want to I want to address something too because I heard this from several people. You know, and it, women are not the only ones who are abused. Right. I, and I heard that, and it's true. It's absolutely yeah. true. Men are abused as well, but the stats are ridiculous. Yeah. When you consider, and the eighty three percent of all the uh, of all the the accusations of molestation or abuse are by women. Eighty three percent. And I, I I've been thinking about this as well because throughout. All of the services, I, I did think of some friends of mine that are male that I know that they were abused as yes. children. Um, and I think there's a, a more stigma oh, associated. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's not a, a me to push coming from men who have been abused. There should be. There needs to be an outcry. Well, how long did it take for the Roman Catholic Church hmm. to finally face the millions? Mm. Right. Of, of awful molestations that occurred with young boys. Well, and I would say that the the Me Too movement has included some men. There mm -hmm. have been men that have come forward and said, yes. "I too have been abused by a man." Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That that is the other piece of the puzzle. Yeah. What percentage of the men that have been abused are abused by women? Or abused by men. Yeah. I would venture to say more, more often by, than not, men, men are also being abused yes. by men. Yeah. So again, it's still abuse of power yes. by men. Absolutely. It, it, you're exactly right. So, yeah, that's... And, and I know I hear the voices of some people, even when we say that, who would say, why are we always criticizing men? Why are we always making men the villains? And I hear that, but I also... like. There's statistics. And even when you look at scripture and you look at all of the assaults or sexual assaults that happen in scripture, and there's a lot, unfortunately, mm -hmm. I wish it wasn't the case, but there's a lot. And you look at which ones of those were committed by men. It's yeah. vastly, vastly outnumbers the ones that are committed by women. The truth is it's just a part of the world. And it's not even just a modern issue. This is just a part of human culture. And I think you touched on it. One of you touched on it at some point uh, about female feticide. Um, yes. selective abortions mm -hmm. in, in multiple parts of the world. Or um, we didn't talk about, you didn't talk about this, but like the, the number of uh, abuses that happened to women in, in uh, forced child marriages. And I did mention, Oh, you that. did yep. mention and that. And trafficking mm -hmm. bride burning things that happen oh, yeah. when a, when a husband dies, they burn the wife. It's like, Oh, and yeah, I'd, I'd left out some stats that they're just, it got overwhelming, mm -hmm. but it's called uh widow side. Mm-hmm. Mm I think it's called widow side, and it happens in parts of the world where where a man dies and they just go ahead and kill the woman. Yeah, 
There's, well, and I was going to ask Dave, your stats, like the one out of five and all, that's in the United States, correct? Or is that a, a globally? That, well, that was from the CDC. So okay. that would that would have been, those first couple of stats were from the United States. And so that's what's troubling too. We're talking about this country. I mean, the world globally, yeah. this yeah. issue is well, Barry, more horrific. It. I mean, you, you, Barry, you you've traveled Cambodia the world. You've seen particular. it. So yeah. I've, I've met, I've met four-year-old girls who had been sold into sex trafficking and had been rescued from brothels. I mean, that, yeah. It's, so we're, we're talking, scratching the surface yeah. right. even this weekend and what we talked about. Cause when you right. look globally, you're like, it's the nightmare just right. gets worse. And so, and so the, the easy response to all that is just resigned helplessness right. because it's too big of a problem. But what I love is that we, as a church, who are rooted in a specific community at a specific time, have the opportunity to change what, change our approach and our posture. Yes. And and at the very least, start to heal some of the broken parts of the world in our backyard, in our community. So, I don't know. That to me is getting bringing all of this back to us doing this sermon this weekend. I feel like this really has helped us to take the first step or, or another step in this journey as a church to respond to what's going on, at least with our people. Yeah, I think so. And you, you rooted it all in power, which is what I think is important. Cause like Barry, you said, there's a whole spectrum. Like we're not just talking about rape because I can, as a man, I could sit there and listen to this, a sermon like this and be like, well, that doesn't apply to me. Cause I've never done that. Right. But we're talking about power and even on this podcast, I'm like, every week, I'm like, are we having enough voices represented as guests, as hosts? Uh, like, what am I? Is there something in me that is biased or that I have power over that I am taking advantage of that? And Amy, you you brought it up twice this weekend. You said men in the Bible. um, They're not they're not they're not the best examples of upholding the dignity of of women. And David's failure wasn't just that he was an abuser or a murderer. It was that through generations of similar abuse and failures, like he failed to stand up and become outraged at the sin. And, um, I feel like there are Within, even within the church, there are people that would look at these stories because we're just, ta- we're talking about the patriarchs. We're talking about David, who's like a man after God's own heart. And we're, <laughs> there, there is an easy way for us to be like, but so does that mean God is indifferent to women's suffering? If all these men are not standing up to or becoming outraged with or taking advantage of, like, we've warped it. There's people who are warping these stories to be like, does that mean God is indifferent to women's suffering? What is our, what is our response to that? Well, that's a really hard, that's a very, very hard question. And it is a, and it's an important question. Um, For some reason in the divine mind, he determined that his will would be meted out on this planet, not by fiat, by him acting from the heavenlies and extending his hand and changing. I mean, he he did it several times. He did it in in Genesis chapter six when he just said, you know what? I am tired with the way you got, I'm just going to start over again. And what he determined to do was to choose people that would move into the world with justice and shalom and peace 
and righteousness and bring righteousness to the world. And it probably maddens him to this day Hmm. that now there are 2.2 billion of us who claim to be followers of Jesus and are not changing this at all. Hmm. It is God decided with Abraham, I'm going to create a nation that will bless the world. Hmm. And we have failed miserably. And I, and then, then Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to make, you're going to be able to do better, mm. greater things than I've ever done. And we have failed mm. miserably. So the, mm. God, is God indifferent to it? Absolutely not indifferent. I think he grieves, he weeps. Does he get furious? I picture him getting furious. And then he looks at us and goes, well, what, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do about it? The pattern I see through scripture over and over again is, is that God shows us the ideal. He gives us uh, the opportunity to act in a way that reflects his purposes for the world. And even the Old Testament law, it, it, it has a lot of provisions in there to protect women, to protect widows, to, uh, to uphold the dignity of women. And so when you see in the, even in the Old Testament, people doing these kinds of things, it's against the law yeah. that God has already set in, st- in place. And yet he's such a God of grace that even when even when we make these mistakes, he's constantly there trying to bring something good out of yeah. it so that we can get back on track and, and actually live out the way that he, he intends. For example, um, there's if you look at First and Second Samuel and, and other parts of the Old Testament, you get the sense that a pretty clear sense that God does not want Israel to have a human king. And, and he tells them, look, guys, you're going to have a king and he's going to abuse his power. And, and you're going to pay the price. You're going to pay the mm-hmm. price for it. He's going to he's going to he's take your money. He's going to take your property. He's going to take your your people. And and yet they say no. We want a king. We want to be like the nations around us. And so he gives them what he lets them do what they want. And what do we get? We get um, well ultimately King David who abuses this power and and breaks the heart of God and breaks the law of God. And even in that he he has this this affair with Bathsheba. He kills Uriah. And then he ends up marrying Bathsheba to try to cover over some of the shame of what he's done. Their first child dies, but their second son is Solomon. Yeah, right. God even uses yeah. that broken relationship to bring the next yeah. king of Israel, the one who actually builds the temple. Right. And yet uh, Solomon yeah, then yeah, because, has a million wives and, so, and concubines. Yeah. And he, does right, like, he does the right thing. Solomon says, I, want, I just give me wisdom. Yeah. That's all I want. And the whole world goes, oh my God, who is this guy? This is wonderful. Yeah. And then- Sooner or later, power corrupts. It power corrupts, and it goes south. I will say this too: there's an interesting perspective if you look at the if scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. You can watch in, when Jesus comes, and even into the expansion to the the church. There is a progressive progressive ethical development in the treatment of women that you can watch from beginning to end. The difference by the time we get to the church is vastly different than right. than ancient history, um, and so. Little bit by little, there have been change, and of course, Jesus, the one who, who, he's the one we need to look at. He, he should be our shining star. How did he treat women? How should I mean? He. That's why I kept coming back to the sermon. Said, "There's your bottom line. You don't even have to. Don't come up with a list of things to do. Just be like Jesus." Yeah. Yeah. To your point, Dave, of you know, we have free will. God wiped us all out with the flood and then started all over again. And he's sitting in heaven going, come on guys, you, you, um, what are you going to do about it? 
I want to talk about Nathan. Nathan is a hero in this story. Nathan is a man in this story. Nathan, um, for those of you who aren't familiar, is the prophet who then goes to King David and says, what is this horrible thing you've done? He kind of tells him a, a story that kind of ignites David's sense of uh, right and wrong. And well, no, that's that's terrible. We should take that guy and we should kill that guy. And then Nathan says, that guy is you, you know, and then David is destroyed over the realization that he is the, the wicked man in this story. Nathan had a choice. God gave Nathan the message. And I know that Nathan had a choice because Jonah had a choice. Jonah chose not to go, you know, get swallowed up by a whale or whatever, and then eventually goes. So there have been times where I felt like God has given me a, a, a word for somebody that maybe I didn't want to say because I was afraid of what it would do to our friendship or what I would look like if I'm the person that goes and says that thing. And I, I know that I have a choice. In Nathan's case, he chose to obey and he went to David, the king who could have set off with your head. And he tells him point blankly that you are in the wrong king <laughs> and you you are wicked and behave you're behaving wickedly right um and why david is a man after god's own heart is because he repented um he could have been defensive whatever nathan you don't know what you're talking about you don't know me but he wasn't um he repented and repented frequently mm-hmm. um so yeah if i know that there was a call at the end of the sermon for the nathans to rise up And I believe with all my heart that there were so many Nathans represented across all three of our campuses and and then some. There are Nathans that are listening right now. And you have a choice. You can obey and you you can deliver this hard word that the Lord has given you for somebody in your life that you know isn't doing right. Or you could run away. But look look at what happens when we and don't you, obey. You might be the catalyst for repentance in their life. I mean, that yeah. that piece when you said, I was so glad you brought that back into your conclusion, Dave, about look what David ended up being, mm-hmm. being called a man. Had Nathan not obeyed God and gone to David, David was still wallowing in, he was not repentant in that moment. Right. He was not, it was Nathan's, that was the turning point. And Marin, I have been there and I re, I regret now moments where I saw things that I my gut said, mm-hmm. something's off here, something's not right, hmm. but I was too scared to say anything mm-hmm. because I thought, what if I, again, what if I'm wrong? Yeah. What, what if I, what if I'm, and Every time that I didn't say something, it turned out to be exactly mm. what I thought it was. And the fallout was pretty severe in some of those situations. Had I been brave enough and listened to what I now believe totally was the Holy Spirit saying, mm, something's not right here, and said something, maybe it wouldn't have been yeah. as bad. It may have turned out exactly the same way. I don't know. But I didn't listen mm. and I didn't obey. So now I there are moments that I'm like, Wow, I wish if yeah. I could go back in time. When you say that the church, if if the church would have, what did you say, stormed into this? Charged into Charged this into this area. If, if we were a church full of Nathans, 
that that's, that's maybe ex- we wouldn't be exactly where we are today with all of that. Not that it wouldn't yeah. be here. There are I two, want to point uh, two billion of us in the right, world. Exactly. If we, if, yeah. if I want to play. In, I think we might have made a difference. Yeah. I want to yeah. play the clip of what of you saying that. I believe that if we, the church, had moved, no, charged into this broken area long ago, maybe we wouldn't be where we are today. Maybe there wouldn't be as much sex trafficking, prostitution, rape, domestic abuse. But right now, God is saying, no more. Hashtag time's up. He has shoved this out of the darkness and into the light in a big, bold way. And he is saying, church, do something about this. So church, let's do something about this. When you said that, people clapped every I, every hour every hour i i don't remember the last time i was at a church service where people clapped at the message <laughs> i mean you guys give great messages sorry but, guys no there's been clapping i've heard it before but and i heard but, that, i heard at north indy too. yeah for sure um and i don't know about fishers i assume it was but i don't know why do you think that happened why do you think? I, I mean, I could give you my... I could give you just me. I was proud. Yeah, okay. I was proud of our church. I was proud of you, Amy. I'm going to choke up just looking at you, so I'm not going to look at you. I can't look at you right now. Amy, you poured your heart out four times. I was leading worship with you this whole weekend. I don't know how you did what you did. People don't know. Amy was service directing. Amy was hosting. Amy was running communion. And Amy was giving the message of my lifetime. Amy, you're amazing. Okay, stop. <laughs> I was proud. Yeah. I was proud. And I think, and I was too, and I've told her this, I also think that in our hearts, we know we want to do something. We should do something. Mm-hmm. She called us to action and people were like, okay, I want to do that. It was, it was a powerful agreement. We'll see if people do something right. about it. But I think it was expressing the cry of our hearts. My daughter's sitting on the front row and I'm just like, I can't believe God brought us to a church where my daughter could sit in the front row and hear this message in the house of God. Amen. Mm. Amen. Amen. And delivered by a woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. the other piece well, of it. And delivered by a man and a woman. Right. Exactly. That they did not make this just a women thing. So no. let's have the woman no. pastor talk about the woman thing. Right. It meant a lot to me. Right. That the two of you it did was this very important. in tandem. Yep. Mm. And and that's the the other piece of what we what we've done as a church, the decision that we made, I don't know how many years ago, to allow women to live into their fully, into their giftedness. That that's why we are leading the charge in this area right now as a church, because because we believe it with all of mm-hmm. our hearts. Like mm-hmm. we believe in this. We believe that there should be equality and Women should have a name and a voice and, and men, I loved when you said man up, Mm -hmm. like that was one of my favorite moments, man up Mm -hmm. and, and man up in a way that culture doesn't tell you to man up. It's, it's, it's the, it's the Jesus man up. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yes. (laughs) Jesus who humbled himself unto death. Mm -hmm. Can you review a little bit of what you said about how Jesus is the only role model that we need? Oh yeah, because he he set aside every semblance of power, mm. and at at the same time walked in power in the power of the Holy Spirit. But he didn't 
use it over anybody. And he's he's the perfect illustration of humility and the perfect illustration of looking at every single person, man, woman, as equal. And he, and he brought everyone into his circle and said, let's change the world. That's the posture. Why do John, we mess that up then? Because you know, there are Christian leaders in this world that say like women shouldn't be cops or women should not be in the military or women shouldn't be president or women should not have these powerful positions over men. Why do we mess that up? Well, it's, there's a deeper, I mean, it all, some of it's how you read the scriptures. It's, I mean, there are a couple of passages in the scripture that are extrapolated. What Paul said in to Timothy is extrapolated into a broader, wider uh, understanding of male-female relationships, the way the scripture refers to husbands and wives. Mm-hmm. So there's an extrapolation that essentially uh, is, is important. And I don't want, I mean, there are people that disagree vehemently with us on our position. I get that. That's why f- five or 600 people walked out of grace and left after mm-hmm. we after we did that, that series. Yeah. I get it. I get it. And there, there are many of them still friends of mine today. But I think there's an extrapolation that happens and, and you have to craft, if that's your position, you have to craft a worldview commensurate with that. Right. Mm. And and our position, and I will maintain that we, this is the proper theological position, that frankly allows us to have the conversation we're having today. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. The other piece that you just brought out, and this takes us a little different direction. So I, I don't know, if, but when you said the idea of husband and wives, that was the other piece that just crushed me this weekend was how many women have been or, or are currently in marriages where they're being abused Oh yeah, and what they have been told by the church and by other Christians is their role in that. And it was, it's just crushing to think that that, that was that piece of it, um, was when they were sharing their stories, they feel exactly like Bathsheba felt because they're they're in a marriage, a covenant, a, a, a legal binding, you know, not that you can't get out of it, but but it's a very difficult process. And they are stuck and being abused and being told, well, you're, What's your part in it? You, and you're you're and probably you're su- bringing this on. And you, yes, and you're yeah. supposed to submit, right? Okay. And that just crushed me to think. And that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I hear it again and again and again. Number of women who have suffered. I, as I was preaching, I was looking down, and yes. I saw I saw a couple sitting out there, and it was hard not to look at them because mm-hmm. I know what's going on. Hmm. I saw I, there was I'm. Yeah, I won't go into it. There were a number of couples that I know what's happening inside their home. And I thought, dude, are you listening to this? Mm. Are you paying attention to this? Mm. I don't know. Well, and just the one example you gave of the couple that used to go to Grace, look at what it took for her to get out of the abusive marriage that she's in. She's now having to go under another name and find a safe house and and not tell anyone where she she's having to give up. So much just to get out of the abusive relationship that she's been in for 25 years. I mean, like how upside down and wrong is that? Like he's been abusing her, but she has to give up her life in order to be safe. That's just so that broke my heart. Just women coming up and saying either I had been in a marriage like that or I currently am in a marriage like that. And what can we do now as a church to 
help help them. And right. one of the hardest things that I've experienced in the last two weeks, I've had this conversation uh, with women who have said what we're saying, who have said, well, if you're not going to come forward right away, then you're just, why would you ever, like, why are they doing that now? They're obviously in it for something if you're going to come forward now. And I'm like, how could you put yourself, like, you're you're clearly missing something. You're clearly, it's like dangerous and it's so broken that women would view other women that way. That's right. It's heart. It's heartbreaking to think that we don't ha- we women don't don't even have each other's backs. No, and there's a complete ignorance yeah. as to how, how people process trauma, really. And I'm not saying that from a, a theoretical position. I'm right. saying that because I had a conversation with my mother right before I came on this podcast. You know, she watched the whole uh, sermon mm-hmm. yesterday, and we talked just briefly last night. And she said, "You know, if you have any questions for me." You can ask me. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, Hmm. oh, I do, but I don't want to ask you because this is, let's talk more about your pain. Can we do that? (laughs) Over the phone, you know? Um, But I did. And one of the elements of her story, um, it, it took decades for her to talk to her mother about the abuse she suffered at the hands of her father. Mm. Decades. They were, mm. they were senior citizens by the, by the time she finally sat them down and talked to them about it. And her father broke into pieces like King David and just mm-hmm. wept and wept and wept and repented. And her mother said, well, that's just his way. Yeah. So don't tell me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why are they only coming yeah. out now? Oh, a, that's just ignorance. Yes. You, I'm sorry. Here's another soul crushing. I got an email, email from... A woman that I just read it before I walked in here. She was abused by both grandfathers. Jeez. Both grandfathers. Talk about generational horror passed down from one generation to the other. Wow. How do you as a 13 year old girl tell anyone that both your grandfathers have abused you? Yeah. How, how you can't, I couldn't do that as a 47 year old woman. I, I don't, I mean, it would take so much yeah. In me, how on earth would anyone expect a child to ever express that? I the, mean, again, again, the church. Oh, sweet church. All you listening, you church folk. <laughs> <laughs> this is on us to heal this broken place. Right. We, we talked so much this weekend about being a safe place, how you will be heard here. You'll be listened to. We'll help you find counseling. We'll help you get help. The church. I had these, these worship songs picked before Mm. this sermon changed. And one of the most fascinating parts of the weekend for me, we knew um, as worship leaders across three campuses that we were going into communion. And so each campus got to pick their own communion song. And I picked a song for communion that when I heard the message in the 430 hour here at 146, I'm like, oh no. How am I going to get up there after the heaviest sermon I've ever heard in my life and sing the words, your glory is so beautiful. (laughs) How am I going to do that? That seems so trite. I just, I was having a moment of panic as a leader. I don't want to downplay or just kind of dismiss all that was just shared by just talking about how your glory is so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And the scripture came to my head. Um, for you, O oh Lord, are a shield to me. You are my glory. 
you are the lifter of my head. Hmm. And that applies to the abused who whose heads have been brought low, you know, the shame. God is the lifter of their head. It applies to King David, the, to the perpetrator. Um, yep. when, when we as sinners are, are confronted with our wickedness and we are brought low and he's the lifter of my head. But halfway into that song, it transitions into the classic hymn and mm, what I none know. of you know. <laughs> and like I said, my mom was ever present in my mind at mm-hmm. every moment throughout all these services this weekend. Um, my mom was in a band with my dad for years and she has this one like signature thing that she did with like full eighties metal perm, like the type of perm that covered so half awesome. your face. <laughs> I and need she, to see pictures. she played the bass. Like she just was so Whoa. awesome. Um, no, oh, I know super cool, but they would open with her singing what can wash away my sin? Nothing mm. but the blood of Jesus, acapella. And then they'd go into this like metal song. <laughs> <laughs> and I practiced this song Thursday. Everything was fine. Both run through Saturday. Everything was fine. But in the 430 service, thinking about what God's brought my mother through and how he changed the trajectory of my life, um, what can wash away my sin? If I'm the perpetrator, if I'm the guilty one, mm-hmm. nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole oh, again? again? I know. I heard yep. both of those both lines. I, I nothing, know. nothing but the, the blood. blood of Jesus. Yep. We could go around and around in circles talking about how we can cure the world of this evil. And there it is. Nothing. Right. That's right. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So it is totally our responsibility as, you know, right. bearers of right. that light and keepers of the only thing that can offer healing. And and by the way, there are churches that have moved away from the atonement and the blood of Jesus. They don't want to talk about a bloody savior mm. and they want to talk about social justice. But our social justice is blunted if we do not have the atonement of Jesus Christ at the foundation of why we do what we do. Because there's healing in it. There's mm-hmm. healing in the blood of Jesus Christ. So I'm, it, that's why, and I will say this about Grace Church, we walk a line, our heavy, heavy emphasis on healing broken places. But, but at the same time, we believe that ultimately it is healed through Jesus Christ himself. That's the strong message, and we have to take that message. Well, and that's when you, we made the shift in the pictures of our broken places. When we had the six pictures and put the picture of the separation, separation. of God and man, that is that's 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 where the brokenness stems from. And yeah. It's that separation that all of the brokenness comes out of. And um, so, yeah, I feel like that is at the core of yeah. everything that we do. But man, every time you saying that. I mean, I was already crying when I sat down and I would kind of pull myself together. And then when you got, when we got into the song hmm. and what would, can wash away my sin and what can make me whole again. And I kept thinking of everyone in the room, no matter hmm. who they were. Yeah. Victim or yeah. predator or yeah. whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. you want to call them. That's it. That's the only hmm. thing that can make a difference in any of it. And yeah. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was powerful. And because we have the Holy Spirit within us. We, especially men, now have the ability to begin living a little bit more like Jesus. And, mm-hmm. and because of that, um, I, I just, 
I get frustrated when so many people bemoan the <clears throat> the loss of masculinity in the church and how men need to be men and meet men need to. And so there's a lot of people who use like, let's talk more about like men need to go to war, but war against sin. Like it's all about <laughs> violence and you know, whatever. But like for me, when I look at Christ, when I look at Jesus, he was, frankly, he's the most manly guy that's ever walked the earth. And yet his life was a life of surrender and sacrifice yes. and a constant self-giving to the point of death. And, and you look at him and he, he surrounded himself with, with, um, people that didn't have much value in the culture with women, with children. He was not what you would say was, he's not a chest thumping monster truck driving, like Mountain Dew chugging manly man, you know, <laughs> I like for the Mountain children Dew. to come unto me. Yeah. Yeah. Come on kids. <laughs> right. Tell you guys a cool story. Cause I like you, you know, whatever, like, he, <laughs> I don't know. So, and yet that he is what is possible for those who've been redeemed. And so for me, when I think about all of this, I want to put a positive spin on it for the men because it would be easy to come away from all of this and walk away and think, okay, all right, don't rape anybody. Don't abuse anybody. And don't call anybody blonde. Yeah. And just be careful not to offend anybody, but that's not what it, that's only halfway. That's only halfway. Mm -hmm. What men in the church need to do is to begin not only going to the point of not abusing people, but actually going deeper into self self giving surrender and, and to, to, follow after Christ who mm. gave everything of himself. So for me, as, as I'm, as a man, I don't have any children, but I think if I do have children someday, I want to model for them what it looks like to give of myself for the sake of those who don't have power. And, and likely it will be for the sake of women in, in my life and in my world. I want to, to, re, I want to, um, surrender whatever, power I have that my culture has given me for the sake of those around me. And as I do that, I'm doing it because that's what Christ did. Amen. So yeah. that's, that's the, the positive vision. I think that we can, we can take out of this, especially for the men who might be feeling a little bit beat up by all of this, because in some sense, every one of us has contributed to this big in big ways or small ways. So anyway, I had to say that cause it was on my heart. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect. And our culture is the exact opposite of what you just said. Yeah. So that's super hard to do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what was it? It was, uh, what was the music festival that was a couple of weeks ago? Um, not, uh, it was not Lollapalooza. It was the other Coachella? one. Yeah, Coachella. Yeah. So they did a survey or someone wrote a story about how every single woman she talked to while she was out there said, yeah, while my, during my time here, I've been violated in some way. So our culture is like seeped in dominance, control, submission. And so doing what you're talking about, Barry, is like, it's, it's a hard thing to do, but it's super required. Like it is, if you want to be like Christ, that is, that is it. Yeah. And Amy, you said, we don't want to take anything away from you, man. We just want to seat at the table. What did you, what do, what do you mean by that? I want to end on this, on this note, but what did you mean by that? I just we're not like we're not out here trying to diminish men or or make men feel less than or take any anything away from them as far as their calling and their giftedness and and men and women are different and that's that's okay. I mean we're we're all different from each other and God is created. We are all created in God's image. So God has 
distinctly female characteristics and distinctly male characteristics. And he wants the world to see all of that. And he wants the world to learn from all of that. And so all we want to do is sit at the same table, come alongside men and have them come alongside us and work together to move Jesus into Mm. a really broken world. And I think the church has sat around for a long time and not allowed half of half of his whatever you want to call it army if we want to use uh they they haven't been empowered to do anything mm. not not much and so he just wants us all to live into our callings and our giftedness and mm-hmm. i think talk about 2.2 billion people that say they're christian maybe if half of them now have a voice mm-hmm. maybe things will start changing yeah. for anyone who has an adverse reaction to saying that we are both created in God's image, male and female, and that God has a distinctly male side and female side and, you know, aspects. Um, This scripture comes to mind when Jesus is crying over Jerusalem and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, you who kill your prophets and, and you stone them that I've sent to you. How often would I have gathered you, my children, together like a hen gathers her brood under her wings? This is Jesus. Mm. This is the nurturing side. This is what you're talking about, that distinctly feminine side, like a hen yeah. gathers, mm-hmm. you know, her chicks under her wings. Mm-hmm. This is this is our this is our Jesus. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Her wings, yeah. Yeah. And think about the idea of being born again. Yeah. I mean, that is a feminine, a feminine. trait, right? Yeah. I would never, as a woman, not want to hear from men right. because there there are things that they can bring that add value to my life. But I also want to hear from my fellow females mm-hmm. because they have things that add value to my life. And and our church has acknowledged that and is yeah. honoring that. And that's beautiful. And I I believe God is very pleased by that. Well, I hope you guys know that uh, you swung the you probably swung the doors yes. wide open, and now we could be a place that feels different to people. Um, the breaking the silence theme um, you could apply that to racism. Yep. You could apply that to a variety of things Absolutely. that our culture is like going through right now, and we just put a stake in the ground and said we're applying this to Me Too, the Me Too movement, and. Based on the feedback you guys have gotten, based on what I've even seen uh, from my own spheres, it's like there. this conversation should not and will not end here. Mm-hmm. Um, and not because we're political. No, it has nothing to do with politics. we believe what we sing. It has nothing, nothing to do with politics. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Right. So it's our responsibility. Yeah. Hmm. So now I think our, our, I think our next steps are to figure out we we have some things in place, but do more things need to be in place now to help? Well, probably. Yeah. To so I think those that was some of the conversations I had mm-hmm. in between services and through email and stuff is what are the next steps? How do we now move into the healing and mm-hmm. the redemption? And so I'm excited actually yeah. to see how that's gonna. Well, happen. thank you guys for for being brave. And Amy, you basically ran this campus this weekend. So thank you for being brave oh. and running everything and giving us this this really, really important message. Um, it, it It's a hard one, but I'm so glad that the conversation's started. 
So thank you guys. Um, where do we go from here? We go back into called out. One yeah, more week. One more week. Interesting message next week. You don't want to miss Tim basically opening up what happened in the 400 years where Israel was in slavery. Mm. And he's going to, mm. and set the, set the stage for what, what, where did Moses come from? And yeah, it's going to be fascinating as only Tim can do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Well, we'll look forward to that. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, we could not have this podcast without you. We are so interested in your feedback. I mean, if you whether you saw the sermon or you want to go back and watch it or you want to um, just let us know, if just based on this conversation, what you're thinking, um, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to betweensundays.us and share your stories with us there. But we'd love to, uh, we'd love to hear from you and, and what conversations you're having uh, in light of this. So thanks for listening. Marin, will you please... Please send us out. Okay, but I got to do it fast because Jed locked his keys in the car. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) So just do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. I got to go. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday.